0: In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. This signal contained a constant series of data packets and a decryption key. Once it was decrypted, the data contained a number of transmissions from two planets in a binary system. Included in the data was a translation matrix that researchers used to translate the entries as best as possible into English. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present.
1: Log Entry, Haimavina 37. 2317, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, hey, Ori. I don't even know what to say, Litla. I was up at Brath Station when I got your message, and that seems almost fitting. Your dad's legacy extends well beyond Vela. One of my clearest childhood memories is my mom telling me about her best friend who lived on a different planet. She described your dad as a legendary scientist who made great discoveries and helped his planet prepare for the future. He was my hero. I would ask her when we could go visit Uncle Gisto, but she would always sadly say we wouldn't be able to. I can trace my decision to become an astronaut to those times when I stood there as a disappointed kid, frustrated that I couldn't go to space to visit my uncle Justo. I've been thinking again about all the draft papers and oddball theories that I bounced off your dad, hoping for some sage advice. No matter how baseless my theories were, he would always write back in that patient tone of his, carefully but clearly telling me that I was nuts. Never once did he make me feel stupid. I'm not sure if he ever told you this, but he talked me out of going into radio astronomy when I was back at the academy. He said it was a dying field and that his generation of scientists were the last and were lucky to have anything to work on. You know what? He was right. In his lifetime, literally everything we use now is more advanced than the cutting edge equipment that he used. Even my mom's old transmitter is in a museum. I took the first shuttle available back home and headed straight to my parents' place after I cleared medical. My mom had learned through her contacts that Gisto had passed away and was sitting alone on the balcony looking at the mountains. It took me a moment to realize that that's where the old EC base camp that she told your dad about was located. The changes that our parents have been directly involved in have truly expanded the universe, something that's easy to forget. What's not hard to miss is the impact your dad had on our planet. Our worlds had been communicating for a while before our parents came along, but Gisto became a person, not just an alien. His curiosity and sense of wonder drove home the simple fact that even though we're separated by the vastness of space, are not that dissimilar. Those interactions fueled a societal shift in how we view ourselves, our place in the universe, and our ancestors. Considering how widely known your dad is on our planet, it's probably not a surprise that JCN, the leading news service, broadcast a special documentary about him, his work, and the impact he had on our scientific ambitions. They interviewed several of the translators who worked on his early transmissions when he was a kid, as well as astronauts, engineers, and members of the San Ori, your dad didn't just impact my life. He touched nearly countless lives all across Hamabina. My mom, not surprisingly, was the main interviewee. Frida and I also had small parts. I've attached a copy of it for you and your mom. It's a pretty moving tribute. I don't think it's too over the top, and I'd like to think that Justo would have approved, though I know he was modest, almost to a fault. Verkstad has taken it a step further, and I'm not sure your dad would like this, but it was lobbied hard for by several Verkstadt board members, including my mom, and I think it's a fitting tribute. They have renamed Randier Station. It will be known is just Station, from this point forward. I'm scheduled to travel to Randir to affix the plaque. It will be the highest honor of my life. My mom says she's okay, but you know how she is. My dad says some days she'll just start chuckling to herself, and when he asks what she's laughing about, it's invariably some story related to your dad. Other days, she's just sad. I think the documentary really helped her process her feelings and demonstrate how much Gisto meant to her. I think she just misses writing to her friend. I don't know what to tell you, Ori. Words aren't much good at times like these. And I know this response will come two years after his death and might unthaw emotions that have already been processed. Hopefully it helps to know that an entire planet mourns the loss of a Titan who reached into every corner of our world none of that changes that he was just dad for you. And I know you'll always miss him. I'm sorry, Leela. Helgi.
2: Log Entry Vela 38 Vela Rotat 2639 Cycle 12 of the 7th Anual Hey, hey, bro. Your last message made me well up each time I read through it. It came in just about two rotats after Dad had passed, so it was actually kind of nice to hear all the happy memories and the effect he had on Haimavina. Knowing my dad, I'm certain he would have hated all the attention he was getting. He would have been honored at some of the ceremonies over there, but he would have also been embarrassed. I don't think he ever set out to become anything more than just someone who loved his work and loved his people. He sought to find the best in both and work towards accomplishing that. He always fought against the promotions and accolades they tried to give him here because he felt that he could accomplish more if he could just do the work he was good at. Yet all of Vela knew him and celebrated his life and his work the way he loved Vela. For the first few annals after, there were vigils, news reports, and ceremonies all over Vela. They went through the radio lab and interviewed nearly everyone. It was nice to see how his life impacted each corner of life at the labs. According to the documentary, he would bring tea to the reef guards on duty, help any intern with their projects, and none of his reports and papers required any editing and were perfect in every way. (laughs) Someone watching these would probably believe that he cured all known disease and built the space station single-handedly. I guess they never saw him when he would yell at the council for inane laws that were getting passed, or how many mistakes and revisions he would make to something as simple as a transmission to Auntie Iria. The next round of interviews was the peer communication program that I guess he started. There are now hundreds of Velans communicating with peers on Haimavina, and nearly all of them know of the tidesetter that was my father. It's kind of strange to think how all of those conversations are happening right now. Somewhere else on both of our planets, there's someone else talking how you and I are. I know that there's a lot of scientific chatter back and forth, but out there someone is telling someone else just how their Rotat has been, and probably lamenting about how all the news programs have been taken over about some old villain who died, and how it interrupted the latest episode of Chone Chona. They did have a lovely ceremony in the radio lab where they built out a small corner as a commemorative area, with some of the early transmissions on rotating screens. They even placed his original transmitter there with all its insane upgrades on display. I always told him it belonged in a museum, and now I guess it is. It was kind of sad seeing the photos of him as a child with Papa Desen, both working on the transmitter and some from when Dad interned at the lab. There were even some photos from when he was traveling around installing communication towers. The funeral was held on the northern beaches, and his potty skiff was sent out just as his father's was. Mom and I were there. She made the joke that she was sure that even in death, he was probably going to get sick on his trip. I think it was her way of letting us know that she would be okay. We stayed through the night until Von La started to rise again, and spoke with all the visitors that came to see him off. I think I've spoken with everyone on the planet at this point. Speaking of Mom, she is handling things about as well as I expected, When we were back, she dove into her work and has been using it to keep her mind occupied. In the past few rotats, we've been launching satellites to analyze everything in our known space. Some are even getting launched from the VSA station in orbit. There are new imaging sensors now orbiting Vela, as well as some in orbit around each of our moons. The data coming in is constant, and new teams have been incorporated just to analyze all of it. Everything from the general makeup of the moons themselves to the particulars of the environment and craters and scarring. Mom is heading up a lot of these teams now, and she has been more than happy to have time in the lab to focus on it. We are at two rotats since Dad's passing. It feels weird, since I know you read that transmission and it was fresh for you, but by the time you saw it, he had already been gone for a full rotat, and by the time I got your reply, well... Here we are. Much like Mom, I think I'm ready to get back to normal, or at least find the new normal. I know for a fact that Dad wouldn't want us swimming circles in his absence. After the funeral was done, I went back to Sionar to resume my duties with the Sionar news agency. They were great when it came to time off to handle all that was going on, and welcomed me back. I did have to do a little side trip to speak at a ceremony at the Diplomatic Corps headquarters here. They wanted me to talk about all the political aspects of Dad's work with the DC and his time traveling to Chonar. The SNA let me do a whole piece about it that was a headlining story, though I imagine my relationship to the subject helped with that. Mom couldn't attend due to work constraints, but I think she was actually relieved. That was a rough time for her, and I think she had just about hit the limit of her emotions. Once that was done, I was practically begging the SNA to give me a new assignment. Turns out there was one ready for just my expertise. Just east of Sionar, they're building out the location of Sanath's new fusion reactor. Same specs as the Senath one, but they expect it to be built in much less time. The downside to it is that being on Sanath and in such close proximity to Chonar, the environmental protests are in full effect. My articles have been focusing on how the Senoth plant has been operating for so long now and has done nothing but good for the community and the environment, so how could having one in Seneth be bad? None of the protesters seem to realize that their efforts are waveless. The largest complaints against the new plant are actually from the local geothermal plant workers. The attitude towards switching careers in Sunnath differs greatly from those in Seneth. I think this is rooted in the beliefs put forth by the La'arva sect. They are deeply invested in the theory of tradition and tend to not flow with the ebbs of modernization. As such, many of the residents here are set in their ways and don't wish to transition to new positions. The diplomatic corps have been trying to work with the council to explain all the benefits of the new plant, but this could be bad for many of the older Vellans in the area. There's still lots of time. The new plant won't open for a few rotats. I've been traveling around the continent interviewing for both sides of the argument. It's nice to be able to dive back into work. The next stop on my work agenda should be taking me to the Sionar branch headquarters of the VSA. I'm sure you remember the imaging telescope we launched a while back? Well, it has been augmented and upgraded and is now being used to examine the other planets in our system. As of late, they are focused on Nora. It's the next planet out from Von La, after Vela, and close enough that the images returning have been stunningly accurate. It appears to be an extremely cold and arid environment, without much atmosphere. The images that the VSA have been receiving are interesting, due to the large amount of scarring that they're seeing on the planet's surface. Normally, for the planets and moons that they've been looking at, the features most prominent are the usual craters and impact scars of meteors and other space-based debris. What the VSA is seeing on Phenora is very different. They don't want to say much more, but they are planning to build several probes and potentially a robotic lander to explore more. You can take a wild guess where they got the idea to build a lander from. It's times like this that I miss Dad the most. Incredible scientific discoveries were something he loved to share, and with all that's happening I think he'd be very happy with where we're progressing as a planet. Even though I'm moving on with my life every cycle, I still feel like he's with us sometimes, and I expect to have some in-depth talk with him about some new breakthrough. Enough about everything that's been happening here. Tell me what's going on over in your depths of the waters. I feel like it's been forever since we've talked about the general tides. Have you moved into your moon apartment full-time? Are you running the engineering department there? Have you figured out how to fly here and have a drink with me yet? Come on, bro, what are you waiting for? May the waves guide us back to our normal lives.
1: Ori. Log entry, Haimavina 38, 2319, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, hey, Ori. Okay, hopefully you've received this. I'm sorry if you get three copies, I have just not been able to get the message to upload to the transmitter. We are currently experiencing the worst network problems I've seen since I've been up here at Braddeth. The last few days have been a nightmare of repeated outages, some of which have touched mission critical subsystems like life support. There's nothing like being ordered to sleep in your suit to drive home the urgency of your efforts to fix a problem. What's even more annoying is that we can't seem to get a handle on it. We think there's a conflict between the underlying ancient technology and the software we've grafted over the top. Basically, the station's core subsystems initiate a completely chaotic shutdown that causes all the computers to crash. When they reboot, a new series of code starts scrolling, and after it completes, the whole station, lights and everything, shuts down. Once the station is dark, it starts some sort of phased diagnostic program turning on sections of the station in sequence like someone is testing a circuit. It's maddening, and people are getting really edgy. We're worried that someone will be in an airlock or outside when it happens. I don't really want to think about that. Hence the guidance that we're all back in our suits around the clock. The first time it happened, we thought ECAL Mission Control had screwed up a planned patch, because that wouldn't be the first time. But once we got the downlink reset, they told us we'd just gone black. So far, it hasn't really interrupted operations, but yesterday, we nearly had a serious accident on the shuttle pad. A transfer was on approach from Randir, and the system that controls the maglocks on the landing pad went out. The shuttle bounced on the pad and skidded into a pile of stored equipment. Fortunately, nobody was hurt, and nothing was seriously damaged. Werkstatt just went ahead and ripped all the old systems out of Randir after the first time their system crashed. It must be nice to have unlimited corporate backing. Today, I might get sent home for tossing my computer and every other one I can find out of an airlock. We are preparing for the upcoming mission to Vicini, which I'll tell you about in a second. One of the many tasks on my list is to upgrade the booster software on the landers to improve engine efficiency so we don't have to carry as much fuel. Anyway, I get the new code done and the whole system resets and everything I had been working on is gone. Twice. Nothing will save. I have to start from the beginning. We finally get it updated. After that, we decide to take a break. I come down here to write you and blackout again. On the plus side, when I'm sleeping in my suit, I can't smell the toilet. Ori, there are some systems that really should never break. Back in school, I thought engines were the most important thing in space. I can't even begin to describe how awful it's been in here the past couple of days. If this turns out to be a prank from those idiots at Stronsheim Polytechnic, and they've done it before, I will drop rocks on them some people are too smart for their own good so my big news i get to go to Vitsini. Vitsini, if you didn't already know is the closest planet to hymavina in our system it's smaller than hymavina but has a super thin atmosphere and is much warmer there will be five of us on the flight and i've been selected as the flight engineer besides the two pilots and myself We're bringing a geophysicist and a systems tech, two engineers on the same flight. What could go wrong? My job is to keep the ship and lander running in top condition. We've identified what we think is another, much smaller, ancient facility on Vicini. So when we land, I'll be working on whatever systems might be there. Our best guess right now is that it was a flight control and communications relay node because it doesn't appear to have a large habitat or a station capable of supporting more than a couple of visitors at a time. I'll be there and back by the next transmission, so I hope I have some stories to tell. I've been thinking about the new wonders I might get to see on this trip, and I can't help but think about the first time I came up to Bradith. I had to ride a shuttle out to the transfer point a couple of weeks ago to sign for some special equipment and we picked up a crew of newbies on their way up for their first assignment on Bradeth. It was almost too much. I had to hide my face behind my screen so they wouldn't see me laughing at them. Their faces were plastered to the vid screens and the couple of small viewports in the crew compartment of the shuttle. These are grown adults, all with at least a couple of degrees, acting like children meeting a farhun for the first time. I think Frida would have called it cute. Did VSA ever send a lander to Fenora to check out the terrain scarring you mentioned? You know, ECAL thought they saw something similar when we first discovered the stations on our moons. Well, they didn't exactly discover something like what you've described, but it didn't match what was expected from normal exposure to space debris. Maybe you'll find something also. But my understanding is that Fenora is an icy planet, so could just be deep chasms or something you should see some of the ice chasms we have near the poles on heimavina they're so deep that there's no bottom so the fables say anyway maybe it was an asteroid or the core of a comet if it is don't tell verkstad they'll try to mine it before you guys can examine it take care leela helgi long entry bella
2: 39 Rotat 2641, Cycle 5 of the 8th Annual. Hey hey Helgi, you'll be happy to know that I did not in fact receive multiple versions of your transmission. Maybe it went through right the first time, or maybe the system was smart enough to recognize the duplicates. I was half hoping that the copies would come in, as I would have sent multiple replies to each one just to poke fun at you. We've certainly seen our share of network difficulties here in the past, but nothing quite as bad as what you described. Did you ever find out what the cause of it was? It sounds like it would be especially cruel if it were a practical joke like you mentioned. I can't imagine someone doing something like that here in an effort just to play a joke. Maybe Mana have a different sense of humor than Valen's. I am pleased to say that the fusion reactor here in Sionar is now fully operational. I got to do all the coverage for it on site, so I was there when they flipped the switch to bring it online. My coverage went out all across the world, and I think the ratings were even higher than the work I did for the Nosanar plant. Although that could be due to the reef guard actually letting me do my job this time. The most amazing part of the whole ceremony was watching the faces around me look so confused. You see, there was all this buildup and then the switch got hit, and nothing happened. This was, of course, by design. Since the new power plant just augmented the existing power grid and provided power to everywhere in addition to the existing geothermal, wind, and hydroelectric plants, nothing was expected to showcase this change. The biggest thing they had to show for the plant turning on was a small meter that showed overall power usage and available power. This is why my coverage was important. I was able to convey all of this information. There were some confused looks, but everyone finally cheered when they understood what was happening. My coverage was censored in Nosanar, thanks to Reefguard interference, and because of that, the general population there just didn't know or understand what was going on. When I was done there, the agency had another assignment already lined up for me. This one was a little odd, but I guess they knew that odd is right in my stream. There's an interesting site down on the southern coast of Sonneth. You may remember it as the location where my dad's team found that satellite that you sent from Haimavina. Well, as part of the excavation of that site, they built a huge underwater laboratory to study the safe removal and cleaning of the satellite. In the process, since it was so deep underwater, they discovered a lot of interesting sea life down on the ocean floor. After the satellite was removed, they repurposed the lab as a biotechnology center, and began to run new tests on the plants and animals found all around that region. Some of the aquatic life there has been around for over a hundred rotats. Now, I don't mean that that species has been around that long. I mean the individual lifespans of those creatures is over 100 rotats long. Interestingly, there are genetic markers in these species that are very close to our own. Do you know what this means? If our ancestors and this species' ancestors share a common link, We could drastically improve our own lifespans. At least that's what the scientists here are telling me. The general plan is for this to branch out into an ongoing series on the subject, so I will be here for a short while. The great news out of this is that based on the footage I've sent in and what we're describing for what's to come, I've been offered a nightly anchor position at SNA. Please don't say anything to your mom yet. I want to send a copy of my first broadcast to her. Ever since my dad would tell me about the stories that Auntie Iria was working on when she was growing up, I knew that it was what I wanted to do. I hope she'll be as excited as I am. Now, on to the news that I'm sure you're really looking forward to. I don't have a lot of information on this since I wasn't the one covering it, but I do have my sources. A landing party was sent from the station and landed on our moon of Chona. The first Velen's to land on another planet, sort of. I mean... Shona's only a moon, and there are many who think it barely qualifies as that. It's roughly half the size of randir. The party sat down and waved at the camera for a while, and then set out to do some experiments. They managed to build a very small habitat where they could rehydrate and do their lab work. Overall, they haven't found anything especially interesting there, but it's still pretty amazing. I say this knowing that I am talking to someone that 1. lives on a different planet, and 2 is currently living on a moon of that planet. Oh, and that person is going from that moon to land on a completely different planet. Speaking of which, how was Vitsini? You said you might be back before my transmission comes in. So, did you find some new alien girl to send messages back and forth with? How long were you stuck in the capsule for? Better yet, how did it smell? I'm sure that after spending all that time on Braddoth living in your suit, that the next thing on your list was living in a suit the whole time heading for Vithcini. Also, can we talk for a moment about your ancient race? Or, as I like to call them, the system's litter slugs. Is there a planet around that hasn't had something from them on it? Honestly, I kind of expected that the Chona landing party would come back with a So, we found this huge ancient facility here. Thankfully that didn't happen, so that moon, at least, is truly ours. The work towards Fenora is going as scheduled. There are a number of probes that have been launched to orbit the planet and send back information that we can use to send a lander of our own. We should start to get telemetry back in a few annals. I'm not very hopeful that it will be anything aside from just how the rock and ice formations are on the planet. It's still exciting, as you well know, to branch out of our own atmosphere and into another. May you have smooth sailing on your trip and return with new experiences. Ori.
1: Log Entry Haimavina 39, 2321, Age of Enlightenment. Hey, hey, Ori. Congratulations on your new job. Well deserved. And I might add, I'm glad they're finally seeing your worth. It's well past time. My mom is beside herself with pride, by the way. She loved that she got to see your first broadcast. It's probably good that she and dad can't be in the studio with you. My parents with their funny shirts and cheerleading. You gotta love them, though. Well, I'm clearly back from Vicini, safe and sound. It's been a couple of weeks, and it still feels weird to be home. I'm actually recording this from Frida's segbat. It's almost like the whole trip didn't happen. The full mission lasted almost nine months. The flights were about four months and the orbital insertion, acceleration and braking burns, equipment checks, endless equipment checks, and actual time on the surface amounted to about two weeks. I don't know who's in charge of scheduling and mission planning around here but I'm pretty sure they have some sort of default setting on their computer that forces them to add equipment check to the daily task list at least a dozen times. Just had breakfast? Equipment check. By the end of the mission, I was actually glad to have something to do, which must be why there are so many of them. I know this will sound ridiculous, but flying through space for that long is boring. Like mind-numbingly, pointless, rage-inducing, boring. I like all of my crewmates well enough, but by the end we were barely speaking and everyone was on each other's last nerve. I grew up with a sibling, which as you know is pretty rare for mana, so I was more accustomed to sharing my personal space with others, but even I got a little punchy by the end. Even with all the science projects to manage, endless safety and equipment checks, required exercise, and shifts on the flight deck, there is still plenty of time to watch every movie I brought with, read every book on the ship, and come to hate all the music I used to love. I have to start my entire music collection over. Our ship was heavily automated, and designed so that ECAL could assume control of the craft from Strondheim. ECAL mission planners told us that this was for our own safety because If something happened to one of the pilots or the ship, they could take over and guide us safely back. It ended up just feeling like my mom was looming over my shoulder the whole time. Or like when my dad taught me how to use a segbat. Anytime we made a course correction, ran tests, or cycled equipment that was not specifically on a stupid checklist, ECAL was right there, asking for an update. It ended up feeling more like they didn't trust us than a safety feature. Time alone in space gives one plenty of time to cook up conspiracy theories. And they are not just monitoring the ship. We all knew our vitals were being monitored because we were wearing biometric bracelets, but we didn't realize just how closely we were being monitored at first. We revolted after the first month when Ekal came screaming over the radio that two of our crew members must be in danger because their heart rates were climbing rapidly. Turns out, they were experimenting in zero-g, together, naked. ECAL pitched a fit when we all took off our monitors, but it wasn't like they could turn the ship around. I will say that zero-g relations are a lot of fun, and most astronauts consider it a must-have experience, myself included. But we aren't monitored the same way on shuttle flights from Bradith to Randir. Plus, you have to be quick. The only really scary moment we had on the flight was during our braking burn as we approached the Cine. Basically, we had to shut the main engines down, use thrusters to flip the ship around, and fire the main engines back up at full throttle. We had done this dozens of times in the simulator, and even a couple of real-life flips in orbit around Haimavina, but they were nothing like the real thing. Ori, the ship shook and groaned like a dying vol. It was the worst sound I've ever heard. Stress-induced metal creaking, everything rattling, and the thrust. It was like having an Elgar on my chest. We nearly burned out the number seven engine, and I was so busy trying to prevent that from happening that I don't remember the rest of it. The braking burn on the way home was just as violent, but at least we knew what to expect. I'm rewriting the simulation program for that part of the training, by the way. After we orbited with CINI for a couple of days and changed our spacesuits, the non-stop discussion of who was going to be the first to step out of the lander started. We had plenty of work to do taking photos, running surveys, and, you guessed it, equipment checks. But all any of us could talk about was who got to be the first. ECAL had pre-selected the mission commander for that honor, But she thought that was ridiculous, so we took a vote. Apparently, the Ecal communications department had to issue an official retraction because they had already released the name of the first mana on Vitsini. We got yelled at for that one. Once the important work of deciding who would be the first mana on Vitsini was completed, we boarded the landing craft and began the descent. This was also bumpier than we'd previously experienced, but it was not entirely unexpected. Vicini actually has an atmosphere that is almost as dense as Heimovina, and its weather patterns are pretty strong, so there was a lot of turbulence once we entered the atmosphere. The ancient facility on Vicini is small compared to those on Bradith and Randir, almost like a remote, automated Viti that only has a caretaker stop by every so often. But here's where it starts to get weird, Ori. As we approached the pad, the landing lights came on. This had not happened when we sent the survey drone, so we were all a little startled when the approach sequence started. We've rigged the lights on Bratis to function in the same manner, but that took several months of programming to figure out. Nobody has been to Vicini in who knows how long, so we all started joking that Werkstatt was running a secret program and had beaten us there, specifically to scare the skit out of a bunch of poor government workers just trying to do their jobs. Either that, or the ancients are just that good. The cine station was clearly not designed to support any number of mana for more than a few days. It's a compact facility, built mostly on the surface, and made from concrete that was clearly mixed on site. It's weatherproof, but not entirely airtight. Well, at least not anymore, we think. The weather on Vicini is turbulent because the planet is closer to Iluda, so it's much warmer than Heimavena. We're fairly certain the ancients chose the location of the outlink intentionally to shield it from the worst of the weather. Because it was probably intended as a remote outlink, we don't think the station was continually staffed by ancients. It is powered by solar collectors, which are kept clean by the rain, And some pretty ingenious wind turbines that are sunk into the rock face of the cliff nearby and are spun by the winds channeled up the cliff face. What's more, they're still working. To say that this facility was over-designed is an understatement. The ancients weren't messing around. The atmosphere on Vitsini is pretty thin and isn't survivable for extended periods of time. We were in full, unpressurized environmental suits for safety reasons, but our research indicates that supplemental air from a face mask would probably be sufficient. It's not unlike being at the top of the twin sisters, but incredibly warm and humid. If it wasn't for the thin air, it'd probably be almost perfect for Velens. Anyway, it does raise some questions though, because the ancients almost certainly were adapted to different atmospheric conditions than modern mana, so they probably would have been in full environmental suits while at the outpost. It definitely seems to lend some weight to the argument that they didn't spend extended amounts of time there. The station was fully operational, unlike the facilities on Randir or Bradith. We've substantially improved our ability to hack ancient code, and it was a matter of a couple hours to unlock the doors and access the facility. Once we got inside, The station came to life in stages as we moved inwards, probably keyed to our movement. It was really odd. We went prepared for a dead station like we found on the moons, but that wasn't the case. Our best guess is that because it wasn't in vacuum, it was able to survive longer. Anyway, we installed some remote access equipment and the eCal coders are currently in the process of hacking all the systems. After all the setup, completed checklists, remote tours with JCN, and debriefs with ECAL, there was a moment when we all just stood there looking out at this new world. It was overwhelming. Not just because we were standing on another planet, but because of the gravity of the achievement. I felt like I was four years old again, watching the vids of the astronauts walking around Braddock Station. It also made me think about the VSA astronauts on chona What an amazing parallel accomplishment for our people to share. One that hopefully brings us another step closer to meeting one day. I know you joke that the ancients were litter slugs, but we wouldn't be where we are without the things they left behind. Every discovery gives us a glimpse of what we can achieve. And unlike the ancients, we have the advantage of hindsight. We know where they made their mistakes. Our commander said, We are here because of the past, but with that knowledge, we can prevent our future from becoming someone else's discovery. That's probably going to be put on a mission patch or a plaque or something. It's still no less true. All in all, no new aliens. You're still stuck talking to me and Frida. Like you guys, we did not find any species that will give us a longer life. You'll have to keep me updated on that progress. That is a remarkable discovery. Have you gotten returned to the underwater laboratory? Now that would be a crazy journey. Take care, Lila. Helgi. Log entry Vela 40. Vela Rotat
2: 2643. Cycle 8 of the 6th Annual. Hey, hey, bro. What can I say? The new job is incredible. Sitting at the big desk and reporting on all the great accomplishments made around the continent by everyone I was out interviewing face-to-face only a few rotats ago is humbling. I don't know if I will ever get used to all the prep work before each broadcast. The spray downs and the fin styling, ugh, it takes longer to get ready to do the show than the show itself. I hope I didn't come across as too nervous in my first broadcast. It was a crazy time learning all the procedures, and meeting all the incredible members of the team that make it happen. I could do a whole story just covering everyone that makes this broadcast a thing. It's always strange when you just see two faces on the vids presenting the stories that are happening around the planet, but there are hundreds more behind the scenes, making sure that what you're seeing is not only possible, but factual and interesting. Of course, for you, this is all fresh and new but I'm over a full rotat into my new position, and it's all routine now. I even managed to get some time off, and I'm using it to take a little break and visit Mom and La'ar. We talk all the time, but I'd been missing her a little bit, and so I thought I would surprise her with a visit. I set up a little joke with some of my friends there, and they put me in one of the containment rooms and went to get her. They told her there was a potential security threat in the building and that they needed her to confirm someone's identity. They even had some of the guards there to make it look official. When she walked in, she just flooded and gave me the biggest hug. She took the next few annuls off, and we are just enjoying spending time together. While here, I also got the opportunity to catch up on the latest for the Fenora missions, because I can't help but work some business into this trip. I missed out on covering the lead-up and launch for the first Velen mission to Fenora. It's away right now, and the control room is buzzing with activity and communication. After dealing with the delay in our messages for so long, seeing a message come in with only a few subtides of a delay seems like almost real time. It's incredibly frustrating to the operators here, though, since they aren't used to it like you and me. One of them was trying to check the status of one of the systems while working with the engineer on the ship, and he was complaining about it taking six whole subtides to get a message back. I may have let out a little laugh and gotten stared at. One of my coworkers was actually here for the launch and his piece was really inspiring to watch. I totally get what you mean with all the equipment checks and double checks on every system. Remember, Velen's are all about caution and safety. Redundant systems on top of other redundant systems. Especially when it comes to life and death situations. I'm sure at some point that broadcast will make it out to Haim if you haven't received it already. I'm not sure you're going to want to watch it after living the whole experience for yourself. There are parts of your trip that sound exhilarating. I think I might have gone just a little stir-crazy if I were in that sort of situation. No amount of tasks or books or music would keep my mind off the idea that I was hurling myself through unbreathable space in a bubble smaller than my bedroom that has everything in it needed to keep me alive. It sounds like it was all worth it the way you described the view. I hope you grabbed some photos while you were up there. I'm sure you're glad to be back before I put that image in your head. But then, you were probably aware of all that when it was happening. In any case, I'm really glad that you made it back and are safe at home, wherever that home may be. The way you described the whole trip sounds like the plot of some vid show. The only thing missing would be some political intrigue and personal conflict. As fascinating as that sounds, it would probably just get cancelled within the first few episodes. I'm sure you Log Entry Vela 40A Vela Rotat 2643 Cycle 12 of the 6th Anul Helgi, this is bad. I don't know if my previous transmission went through, but we suddenly lost all power. Everything lost power. Explosions were heard all over La'ar. At first we thought that some of the transmission towers were overloading, but we were so wrong. Chonar launched an attack. They sent La'arva-aligned reef guard bombers to destroy the Nosonar fusion plant and then proceeded to carry out attacks all over La'ar once the power was out. We had no warning. By the time many of the defense systems were brought back online, the damage had been done. Mom and I are safe for now. We are in a bunker near what's left of the lab. Backup power was finally restored and I was able to send word to Sionar. My friends at the lab there are sending this out to you. I'll be staying here to provide coverage for SNA, but I am sending Mom to my place in Sionar to stay safe. Gotta keep this short, but I wanted to send you an update. I can only hope that by the time you reply this will all be over. Don't worry, I'll stay safe. Auntie Iria knows you gotta go where the story is. Live from the Front Streams, Ori.
0: You have been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of Ori is read by Juliana Finch. Helgi is read by Paul Anderson. Music by Eric Matthias and soundimage.org. Find us on Twitter and Facebook with at The Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on our Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website, or please leave a review on your favorite podcast app.